0: Welcome to the DP30 audio pod. I, old is not my favorite thing. But hey. Devery Jacobs would not know anything about being old because she's still young. A child. <laughs> but not such a child, but a child. How are you? You're
1: playing a child. That counts for something.
0: <laughs> it's true. Today on the DP30 audio pod, Devery Jacobs of Reservation Dogs. How are you?
1: I am... Well, I'm busy. I'm working. I'm taking care of my mental health. Everything in between, you know. How are you? I,
0: you know, I'm I'm not as bright-eyed and bushy-tailed as you, but I am. You know, I'm okay.
1: <laughs> but you're calling from the west coast, right? Like um, I got you up bright and early.
0: So you're really even later on the east coast because you start. Yeah. Are you in production now? For I am. Two, I am or? in production
1: um we wrapped on season two of res dogs right now i'm in atlanta shooting um echo the new Marvel. Wow.
0: the new echo 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 <laughs> echo Echo. yes everybody's trying to figure out what marvel's doing next are they going to change the name of everything till they you know thor becomes four or i don't know what the hell <laughs> anyway this weekend it'll be the horror but that's a whole nother conversation um the guys from disney were Putting out like ads from Times Square and all excited. I'm like, you paid a lot of money for that ad. It's not that exciting, um, <laughs> and and I'm sure they paid for for you to be up there. So you wrapped already. You've uh, you've now become a writer as well as a an actor. What was that's that right.
1: like? Um, that's been it's been like such a learning curve, and has also just been. Um, yeah, I feel, I feel like I've been really learning a lot where I thought like going into the writer's room of season two, that I would have to like pitch myself and assemble like all of my writing samples. And I don't know, because FX hired me as an actor to play Olora Dannon. And so I just like, I had no idea if I would have to like fight to the death to be able to be a part of the writer's room. Cause that was something that I really wanted. And I've been writing since like 2016. And so I was just like prepared to, to fight and then Sterling approached me and was just like, hey, do you want to be a part of the writer's room? And I was like, oh, with you, I don't have to fight you on this? <laughs> but it, like being in there has actually been, um, it's, been really, it's been really awesome and like all of the writers come from like varying degrees of experience levels. Um, and it just has been like a really comfortable, really comfortable place. Also my lights are flickering. I don't know if you can tell.
0: I'm not seeing anything. I it, maybe my epilepsy will kick in eventually, but
1: I'm it might I'm going to turn it off. Okay. <laughs> All right, we're back. The
0: return of Devry. That'll be your new uh, next movie. The return. So was it Uh, When it came to shooting the show that you have the writing credit on, was it different? Did it, did you have two hats on during the week or did you just?
1: A little bit. I wasn't a production writer, so I wasn't like tasked with doing all of the rewrites the day before and all of like that madness. Although there were times where like I was in there and we were all pitching together. Um, but that was kind of like the exception where I, I really got to like take off one hat and put on the other and was able to like focus on the character work and, and on acting. And then um, the episode that I co-wrote with Sterling, uh, episode four, that one was directed by Danis Goulet, who's like an in, incredible Indigenous filmmaker out of Canada, and I had worked with her before, so it was just like a really, it was a really special experience where I trusted her so much with all of the work, and and we, it was very much like a collaboration in in that sense. So there was a little bit of hat switching, but for the most part, I was able to like keep to acting while in production.
0: So being able to make. Language is very important these days. So the right name for a native in Canada is indigenous. Is that what would be the, they're certainly not the, Native
1: American. <laughs> I mean, it just, it depends on the person. I think the most like specific you can get, like for yeah. me, I'm Mohawk. I'm from the right. Mohawk Nation. Um, and so like Sterling Harjo from Res Dogs, he's uh, Muskogee and Seminole. So I think the most specific you can get, like um, Danis Goulet is Métis Cree. So I know some people in Canada like to be called First Nations, some people like to be called Indigenous, some people like to be called Native American, but like, it, it depends per the person, but for the most part, just being as specific as you can is like, is great because that's the difference between calling somebody Asian or like, I don't know, Tamil or right. Thai, you know, so it just gives, it gives a little more context as to like, who we are and where we're from.
0: So Native American works in Canada? I mean cuz it's I guess North America.
1: It is North America. <laughs>
0: okay. Not native Quebecois.
1: <laughs> definitely definitely not. not.
0: <laughs> Quebecois seems almost as defining a thing. It's a unique group up there.
1: Oh yes. The I mean I, my reds is from Quebec. So you're opening up a whole can of words that we could talk about.
0: <laughs> is it a different challenge or is it a is it, is it just another city that happens to be it have its unique quirks.
1: Honestly, I would say that in Quebec, there is a fight to preserve language and culture of like the French Canadian climate and, and yeah. area, which is honestly not a dissimilar fight to Mohawk people in like our language revitalization, preservation, and, and all of that. But I would say that on the Quebec West side, there is um, a lot of overlooking of who was there originally. And so there, there tends to be some heads budding, for sure. And I have
0: friends who are even older than me, who are from Quebec, Quebec, who live in LA for 50 years or whatever, who are in show business. Um, and they're just kind of gobsmacked somehow by how much there's this push to push out English from Quebec. Quebec, Quebec. Oh, they
1: literally dissuaded um, multiculturalism in Quebec. So it's a whole other conversation. Yeah.
0: <laughs> So you are an overnight sensation, not overnight. <laughs> you started when you were, what, the, the first tre- the cre- first credit at IMDb, I guess is 13. What made you become a kid actor?
1: I always wanted to act. I was always interested in film and TV, and I, like, started off on my res at the Turtle Island Theater Company. Um, I was in many, like community theater productions of like The Wizard of Oz and Greece and Beauty and the Beast I was in fact Chip where like I had a full flower pot around me dressed as a teacup um and so that was like kind of how I had my start in it and then my mom saw how much I really loved it and had um asked well first she had submitted me to an agency to see if they were there would even be interest in representing me but she didn't tell me in case that I wasn't admitted in and she didn't want to like break my heart um and when I was admitted or was granted she was like is this something that you want to do because if it is I'll I'll support you and all of that and my mom's been like so supportive especially when I was younger like in doing what I wanted to do and I was like hell yeah I want to do this and I had landed a couple roles here and there, um, but I really, I didn't think that it would be a possibility as a career being like an English speaking Mohawk kid from a reservation in Quebec in Canada. It like, it just, it didn't really um, seem to be a possibility. And so I went to school for something else entirely and then ended up coming right back into the industry because I, I couldn't stay away.
0: So what would you have been when you you grew up if you had not become an actor?
1: So technically I am certified to be a corrections officer. Uh, Um, Although that wasn't what I wanted to do. I wanted to um, take the credits. It was a program called Youth and Adult Correctional Intervention, uh, which for me, I was like, if I can't act or write or be in film and TV, then um, which was my first love, then I wanted to be able to help indigenous people. And so it was to, to be on the path and I'd be able to apply those credits to a bachelor's in social work. And I used to work at like the native women's shelter of Montreal, um, before pursuing acting full-time. And so that was something that like, I hope that I can bring back with me into the work that I'm doing as a, as an actor and filmmaker is combining my love for this medium and this, this art form with my passion for, for indigenous folks and our stories and indigenous rights activism and and all of that. Sounds
0: like an episode for season three.
1: I mean, I don't know. I feel like Res Dogs doesn't take itself too seriously. I feel like um, if if we were to do a version of that, it would be way more low key. (laughs) Mm.
0: So have you loved, so you continued this, Have, have you loved acting in the way that you did when you were younger? Have you found it to be the thing that you thought it was?
1: I do, I do really love it and like, it's also different than obviously when you're like a kid and idolizing all of these people on, on TV, it's, it's, it's a job, it's work, it's, there's many sides to it. And it's something that I find to be like really deeply rewarding acting in front of the camera, but then also creating projects behind the lens as well as something that like, I think I need to do all of the things for me to like feel fulfilled and to, 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 make this sustainable as a storyteller Hmm.
0: so not just
1: acting not just acting I love it and and I also want to want to create and have my hands in the creative pot as well
0: so did you figure out a method for your acting as you did it was it an on-the-job experience basically or have you developed a
1: I would say that I've just kind of, like, picked up bits and pieces as I've gone along and, like, things that have worked for me and in the moment that might not have worked for me, like, later on. Um, Yeah, I think it it really depends. Something that I found recently, though, is, like, the way that characters speak and walk through the world is, like, something that's a way in for me that, um, that that I wasn't really sure of before. Like I, when I first started, like I had my thick Rezi Gahnawage accent where I talked like this and I couldn't hear my outs and abouts and I didn't know what the heck was going on. And like over time, I've been able to like learn to play with different accents like Olora Dannon and Rez Dogs coming from the South, coming from uh, Oklahoma. Um, that was a way in where as soon as I dive into that accent, I'm like, oh, I'm immediately in Olora's skin. And um yeah, just different like dialect work. I did a film in, in French, I've done another uh, project that's entirely in Mohawk in my language. So I find for me specifically, that's like a really interesting way into different characters.
0: Well, Res Dogs has had a bunch of kind of cameos or guest appearances with actors who are doing things other than what you're used to hearing them do. It's yeah. just that kind of mode.
1: I would say so. I would, My favorite um, of all people, based on like the careers that they've had versus like what they get to show and demonstrate on the show, I think would be Zahn for me because he's like, he's such a talented actor and he's like always playing like serious and, emotional and, and stern and all of those things. And then he gets to come on to Res Dogs and like show off his hilarious comedic skills where he's just like a shit-ass. <laughs> he, he actually coined the term and brought it into, into our show.
0: <laughs> There's an actor named Adam Pally, who is in a bunch of things, he's a comedic, comic actor and he is one of the smartest people you'll ever meet, you know, really. A, and he's also a writer and a producer and stuff but he always plays idiots <laughs> <laughs> and I had this conversation with him every once in a while where it's like why are you and he's like that's what they're offering you know that's kind of what's on the table and he's really good at it and he brings out more and
1: I like, think it takes like a really smart person to be able to play stupid yeah I I that's how I feel yeah to like pull it really it off well
0: <laughs> and bring nuance to it, it it's very challenging totally so when Res Dogs came along, was it a surprise to you? Was it shocking that this thing was being made and gonna have a nice birth and?
1: I mean, it was, a, it was a pilot. It was a pilot that I read and I was just like, cause one of my favorite movies of all time is Typha's movie, Boy. And reading it, it felt like the Native American version of Boy and with a character that like I felt really connected with and so, yeah, I knew that I needed to be a part of it, but I had no idea if like FX would pick it up or if audiences would resonate with it. And like, we we're supposed to shoot it originally in April of
0: 2020, mm-hmm. which did not happen. Yeah,
1: And we're like, of course, like the one time that there's like a native pilot on a mainstream network show and a pandemic happened. <laughs> um,
0: Somebody's saying something
1: and so we ended up shooting in August of 2020 it was my first project back we had no idea how it would be received but all we knew was that we had this opportunity to do what we wanted with it and so we like all put our everything into it and we became like fast family we all like really connected over the story of Daniel and had each shared our own experiences with people from our communities and loved ones and it was, um, it was wild because when we shot the memorial scene um, in the pilot, we realized like what somebody had seen online, we're like, this is like National Suicide Prevention Day. Mm -hmm. And so it was kind of like, it was an eerie, serendipitous moment. And again, we had no idea if that would be the only time we would ever get to do something like that and tell the stories in the way we wanted to. And so we we're like so emotional wrapping that pilot where Sterling had done like a blanketing ceremony for like each of us of the Res Dogs where it's like a, a welcoming home ceremony. And yeah, it was just like, it was one of the most special experiences that I've had in my career. And so like since being picked up and since like people receiving this show in like such a such a receptive way that like now it's just kind of like gravy. Now we could just like stay to say the stupid shit that we want to say and like tell the story that we want to tell and like feel like we can just create for ourselves in that.
0: So how loose is it when you're shooting? I mean, is it a strict, Script because it feels so natural and laid. I back. would
1: say it's like 75% on the page, 25% in the moment is what I would say that Res Dogs is. And like we don't have a lot of time to explore. Like we shoot every episode in four days. Right, and so great. it's like it is run and gun. Like your ass does not touch the cast chair, waiting between <laughs> setups for the whole shoot. It's a sprint. Four um, days. My God. Four days per episode. And so we, um, yeah, we like do what we can with the time that we have, and it's like kind of like guerrilla style filmmaking, and like having come up in indie film, just like oh, this feels right at home, right. And and I think that like feeling is felt across the board because Sterling comes from independent filmmaking, like so many of the of the writers and directors on the show um, come from indie film, um, yeah.
0: So does Hulu need to give you guys more money or is this now something that just works? <laughs>
1: Listen, you know, more money wouldn't, like it wouldn't hurt. <laughs> no, I think that's just that's just how FX does things. That's how, uh, that's how their shooting schedules go.
0: I, I don't think the old man is shot in four days. I'm pretty sure. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure that like, um, what we do in the shadows also has like a four day shooting schedule. Wow. I feel like a lot of um, FX shows have that.
0: Maybe it's a Taika thing.
1: <laughs> maybe it is. Maybe maybe <laughs> Tyka's, like shorter days like well, that in
0: three weeks. It's, <laughs> it's remarkable. So did you know Tyka before all of this?
1: I had met Taika once at um I met him at the Toronto International Film Festival in 2018. And I like i I'm, I'm not usually somebody who gets starstruck, but I like geeked the hell out and kind of embarrassed myself I don't think he actually cared but I was like I was pretty I was pretty embarrassing in that and I don't think he remembers that at all and the next time I met him was for the for the um network testing for RizDocs back in like- So did you meet him as an
0: actor or did you meet him as a fan? I mean, what was the circumstance of your meeting?
1: The the circumstance was I was a part of a program at TIFF called uh, the TIFF Rising Stars Program. And they asked, there's like, if there's anybody at the festival who you want to meet, we'll see if we can like make it happen. And I immediately like in my submission video to all of them, I was just like, I need to meet (laughs) Daika," And like, they weren't sure if they were going to be able to make it happen. but then last minute he was able to come to like this TIFF Rising Stars luncheon. And so that's where he had showed up and he met all of us and we like took some photos together and hung out and said hi for a couple minutes. But I just like, I was a fool. <laughs> yeah.
0: I've, I've seen some people do some very foolish things at Toronto,
1: well, not usually actors,
0: fun it's a fun sometimes actors.
1: <laughs> it's a fun festival.
0: <laughs> it can be a little out of hand at times in the, in the best way. <laughs> and in fact, coming back this year for the first time since I love it. 2019.
1: I'm hoping that I can that I can do the same because yeah, it's like a like I'm based in Toronto. So it's a hometown, right. not quite hometown, but like homegrown festival that everybody's like super psyched for.
0: So you've escaped Montreal.
1: I I wouldn't say that I escaped. I like unlike- I know, Laura, I'm just teasing Montreal. <laughs> unlike a Laura Dannon, like I didn't actually want to leave the place that I grew up. I if it were up to me when I was younger that like I would have stayed there and if I could have like had a film career that I wanted to, like I would have I would have stayed put, but I've gone where where the jobs are and have laid roots in in TO.
0: So do you consider yourself typed as indigenous or do you is it is it always an issue? Is it something they're looking for when they come to you or? I mean, how do you, you could, mean
1: like like pigeonholed into like you could
0: native- play any you could play any pretty young woman in a show without anybody going oh she's you know indigenous or native american or like, you know jewish or whatever you, know, you could be <laughs> italian you could be jewish you could be anything really um based on your looks there's no like you're not locked in in that way but i imagine that it seems like people i don't I, i'm just wondering whether you're attracted to those pieces or whether that's what the industry sees you as, as at this point?
1: I don't know. I don't know what the industry sees me as. I'm sure that like, there've been some meetings and stuff and roles that people have approached me for that are native specific. But like, for me, it's always like, I'm, I am Mohawk. Both my parents are Mohawk. I grew up on my res. Like that's gonna, those experiences are gonna come with me no matter where I go. Mm-hmm. And so like, for me, it's less about who the character is, whether they're, Indigenous or not specified, and right. like for me, yeah, I'm just more interested in like, is this a character that I want to play? Is this a story that I'm interested in telling or being a part of? And don't get me wrong, like I, I definitely feel a sense of responsibility that I'm happy to carry on telling our stories and bringing them to the mainstream, and and maybe it's like redefining what people think native folks to be, and whether that's like a, a, in a show like Res Dogs, which is very clearly, um, is very clearly like a a groundbreaking show for Native communities, or whether it's like another film where, yeah, I'm Indigenous, and I'm this lead, and it's not necessarily discussed. Like, for me, it's character first and foremost, and, and story above all else.
0: Do you have the urge to play Chip again? Is that a, you want to be in a musical comedy somewhere? And
1: You know what? I feel like the cast of Beauty and the Beast and how they had voiced it, like, really nailed it. And That's I don't true. know if I could bring more to Chip than the other actor already did.
0: Well, I'm just wondering whether you want to, you know, if, if there are things you want to do that are wildly different than we might Absolutely. expect from
1: you. Absolutely. I have a couple projects that I'm working on. Um, as a producer and also as a writer on some different things that leans into more of my identity as a queer person, as opposed to my experience being native and growing up on my res. And so like, also one where they're like, I'm playing an athlete because I used to be a competitive gymnast. Like there's many parts of myself that are inherently native, but don't necessarily have to talk about it first and foremost. And so- those are some of the things that, like, I'm creating on, on my own time and projects that I'm going to be um, coming out with in in the next little while. And also, we'll see what happens in in terms of, of the acting side. Well, well I think it's look- kind of
0: the next thing where, you know, we get past the fact that we're so, you know, locked into specific things and it just kind of flows more naturally for people. It's a challenge yeah. for this industry. This is an industry that, you know, once you get, once you become famous for something, they tend to want to lock you in there for the rest of your life. It's kind of, it's, it's frustrating to watch from the outside.
1: No, for sure. And that was honestly like one of the huge reasons why I began writing in the first place was because I was like, why am I waiting for this industry that has, that lets so few native folks through the doors like to tell my family story or to tell stories from my experience when I have a perfectly capable voice of my own. Like it was, it was a sense of like me taking control of the stories that I wanted to share and, and whether I was in them or not. And so, yeah, I would say that like, for me, that's been one of the reasons why I, why I started creating in the first place was because like people, people could be like, people could afford to be more creative with, native characters out there versus what we have only seen since film began.
0: Yeah, and gay characters and everything. And, else and like.
1: queer characters and yeah. like every everywhere, everywhere. And I think that's why it's like such an exciting time right now, like, because I think the industry is cluing into the fact that like, oh, wow, there are like so many stories from so many other cultures and communities that we haven't even begun to scratch the surface of.
0: Yeah. And then there's like weird backlash on things like Fire Island on, you know, Hulu, uh, <laughs> where it's like, you know, it's too gay for some people.
1: Oh my God, <laughs> gay people. I haven't heard like, that critique.
0: <laughs> it, everybody's like, every, there's all these kind of like lines now, where everybody's trying to figure out where to go and, and what to do. And it's, it's interesting time. It's, I, I hope it, I, I, you know, it's, it's funny because the best cinema I think has always come out of conflict in countries where they can't really talk about it directly. Um, but that it becomes part of the bubbling over of the, of the culture. And it's, uh, it'll be interesting to see if that's how it works here as well, ultimately.
1: Yeah, we'll see. And like, I hear when people have critiques on certain shows from like marginalized communities saying like, well, this isn't showing my experience here. Or what about like these folks? And I completely agree. And I think there needs to just be more projects overall, like Fire Island can't represent like, all asian gay men like right. it's what it should be like one of many stories out there that people can resonate with because like everywhere it's like oh this thing might not be your cup of tea it doesn't it doesn't mean it has to resonate with everyone
0: well like rutherford falls where it's you know there are people who feel it's too straight in a way or too well, too like, y for but them but
1: that's like a, a perfect example of like two shows with native american showrunners that came out around the same time both like hugely trailblazing and first, And they're totally different. Like for so long, I hear from Sterling, I hear from Sydney, I hear from like all of these filmmakers who've been like trying to break the door down in this industry. And they were just told that like people aren't interested in Native American characters or stories. And and you have these two shows, which yes, are both like showrun by indigenous filmmakers Mm -hmm. and are also like comedies. Great, right. one would imagine that they would be similar, but in actuality, it's like, they're so radically different because it's based on the voice of the artist. Anyway, <laughs> yeah. I, it's like, it's frustrating that those conversations happen, but I'm happy to see that it's starting to change.
0: Well, they're almost like other genres, different genres. You know? Exactly, I, exactly. It's a very specific thing, particularly like Rutherford, we, there's not a lot like Res Dogs around there, around, but Rutherford Falls fits in that classic sitcom, you know, structure, and then also yes, happens. And, there's, and there's
1: a place for that. Yes. And there's like, I I think it's a funny show. And I think it's like, I was fortunate enough to be a part of the first season. I, and like the second season is great. And so it's like, there needs to be all kinds of genres of indigenous shows out there.
0: So how does your mom feel about all this fame coming your way?
1: Oh, she is like over the moon. She is so proud. It's, um. It's been a, a battle and a long lesson with trying to get her not to break my NDA. <laughs> Where like over I would say over like the year she's she's good now, but like before I'd have to be like, you can't talk about this thing, you can't post this thing, because like native Facebook is like such a tiny place and everybody oh. likes to everybody likes to talk. Message travels fast, but she she is so, so proud.
0: So she's not allowed to gossip about you?
1: Nope, she's not Tell allowed. Tell stories
0: about what you did in, in the eighth power. grade. <laughs> <laughs> but she's the one who kind of helped you get rolling in this.
1: Well, yeah, world. she, she um, was a really ambitious kid, but then didn't have the access or, or parents who would support her and things that she wanted to do. And so growing up, she made sure that like anything that we wanted to do that like she would, she would really support us in. So for me, it was gymnastics and it was, and it was acting. Um, but yeah, I would say as I, as I grew up, it definitely became like my own thing that like she had helped begin at the, when I was young, but then having grown up now, it's definitely like my own thing. And people will approach her and be like, oh my God, I saw going every That's my first name. She's like, I saw going every in, in this project. And she was just like, oh, I had no idea that she was even in
0: that. So did you have a tragic ending in, in gymnastics or did you just grow out of
1: it? Boat. people were always like oh do you want to go to the olympics and i was just like are you kidding me that's way too much work i want to be an actor i don't <laughs> want to break my body um but yeah i'm still like half broken from my prime age of 16 when i quit um from, from quitting the sport so you were just,
0: sane about it you knew when it was yeah, time to go
1: try tried to be tried to be sane about it but um Yeah, I I loved it. I just wasn't, I wasn't trying to be on the elite level.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So do you look, do you have a forward vision? Do you think, okay, this is where I want to be in five years or 10 years? Or are you just riding the wave as it comes?
1: I definitely have a direction that I want to go. And I have like projects that I want to accomplish and that I want to make or ones that I have my sights set on that I'd love to act in. Like I'm definitely somebody who... um, tries to envision and and follow through uh me and people in my life joke that I have like Mohawk magic because I I shit you not like Taika and Boy and Marvel and all of these um things have been on like my vision board from for years back and so I'm not sure how I've ended up here but I managed to do something right. And so I have, I definitely have a direction that I want to go, but I also know that things don't usually happen the way that we think that they will.
0: Well, I can, I can feel your energy just sitting here talking to you. I mean, it's not, <laughs> it's not what we see on the show necessarily.
1: No, no. <laughs> and it's definitely <laughs> her, very positive. Person.
0: <laughs> yeah. And very positive, very, uh, very, it doesn't seem like you're going to get stopped for lack of effort ever
1: that's yeah sometimes i gotta like remind myself to take a minute and take a break
0: so for people who are watching this half an hour in (laughs) and they're looking at your assuming you get nominated hopefully you'll be nominated in a few whenever that is i don't even know what day you're getting nominated if that happens and they want to watch one episode of reservation dogs to see what they feel is your best work is there an episode that you would point to in season one or two?
1: Um, in season one, I would say that it would be episode seven, which is titled California Dreaming, which um, gives a lot of insight into why Alora is the way that she is. A lot of um, what she's been experiencing has kind of been like a trauma response to to what's ensued in, in her friend group. Uh, I will offer a trigger warning for it regarding suicide. Um, but yeah, I got to work closely with uh, Tazba Rose Chavez, who wrote and directed that episode, uh, who lent so much of her heart in that in that episode, um, and I also got to work opposite Bill Burr for a lot of it. It was it was a really special experience, and I think it gives like the all of the all of the sides of Aurora. And then for season two, I got more out of
0: Bill Burr than I think anybody ever has, honestly. What's that? I think you get more out of Bill Burr in that episode than you ever got before. Thanks,
1: I will take that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then for season two, um, I would say episode four, which is the episode that I co-wrote with Sterling. Um, I don't know how much I can how much I can talk about that episode just yet but it's um, still a mu-
0: it's still what the end of august that it will come out somewhere around yeah now? it
1: should be like i think it's like the 24th of august so it's that too late like... for
0: their voting anyway
1: it's too late who, who cares
0: who cares <laughs> but that's it, it's got to be ex- what will you do that night will you have a viewing party when the, your episode comes out
1: i don't know it depends if i can like get links beforehand cuz i haven't seen anything oh. um last season the red dogs we were able to get like the first I would say three three quarters of the season and we had our own little viewing party and we got to watch it all together which was really
0: really special
1: oh my god it was so nerve-wracking and like I I prefer it that way where it's like either I get to watch it by myself or the people I created it with before (laughs) it's seen by everybody else um So yeah, I might have a big viewing party for people, depending if I'm able to watch it before, but if not, I'm just gonna like crawl under my covers and watch like from my laptop, having a mild anxiety attack.
0: And when something like episode seven from season one comes out, do you feel a wave of attention? Is that when native Facebook goes crazy or?
1: (laughs) I mean, yeah, I think they just like, I've never seen the native interweb, like, behave the way that they did when season one of Docs came out, like, it was wild, like, everybody I knew was talking about it, and had I not been in the show, like, I also would have been a fan also, and, and so it, like, yeah, we'll, we'll see how it happens. I feel like people are really anxiously awaiting this next season, and I I feel really proud of what we were able to do in the writer's room. It surprised, like we surprised ourselves in it. We didn't know what the season was going to be. And I think it's become its own thing while staying true to Reservation Dogs as a, as a show. So yeah, I mean, I think people will be surprised because we were surprised as hell while well writing it.
0: <laughs> well, that's my, I mean, for me, that's the, the FX signature in a way because it's true yeah. of Atlanta. It was true of Better Things where there's, it's kind of like everything, I almost feel like these shows are um, like little short stories, each one of them within the universe, but they're not kind of driven by that, that through line through a season where it's like, you know, have to get from A to B to C to D and that's it.
1: Yeah. I mean, also Sterling, like in the writer's room, I think he works on things a little bit differently. And we had some more experienced writers in the room who would kind of be like, this is specific to our show. If you go off and work on other shows, it'll be a little bit different from this, uh, which I really appreciated people like Tazba and people like Megazine, Pintanel. Um, but yeah, Sterling would like come in after a couple of weeks in the room. and would just be like, okay, blow up pitch and would just like tear everything down. And we did that over and over until like until the story kind of rose to the surface and presented itself to us. Because we all came in with ideas and things that like we wanted to see, but if it ever felt too forced, then it, it wouldn't work and it didn't fit. So it just had to like organically come up or, oh my God, I feel like I'm ruined for that word now since Zahn said organic uh, in the show. So it organically came up. Um, but yeah, I'm just, I'm, I'm so excited.
0: You know, that's kind of how they do animation, though it takes five years. There's a reason why animation yeah. takes so long. Because yeah. You guys do it in four days, they do it in four years. <laughs> but it's, there's constantly, you know, they keep on meeting as a group and ripping up what they had and changing it and moving it until they figure out what it is. Yeah. Um, or what it wants to be, because it's, it's in there somewhere. You're yeah. too young to have, we used to have these things where you get like a, a, a thing of clay or plastic or whatever it was and you chip away at it. And inside of it, there was a hard, thing yeah and so you chip all the stuff away as a six-year-old or a five-year-old or whatever and you'd find the thing you know it's like finding the thing underneath the thing
1: my um, vote to bring that back I'm like I want to do that
0: yeah well I, I don't know why they have I mean I don't know they bring back all kinds of crap so God know I have a 12-year-old so I've seen it all um <laughs> and much of it is still embedded on our floor because we can't get okay. it out anyway <laughs> it's very nice meeting you Uh, I'm excited for you. I'm even more excited now that I've met you, honestly, because you do bring this energy that is uh, remarkably strong and uh, I I expect great things from you now.
1: Awesome, thank you so much for having me and have a good rest of your morning since I woke your ass up extra early. I'm gonna
0: go now hang out (laughs) with old men. I actually, it's like my uh, powwow or what (laughs) you would call that. I I actually go and hang out with the elder uh, and show business elder and and get to hang yeah. out and tell stories and hear the history of the industry through oh, other people maybe, I maybe,
1: maybe not a powwow, maybe a um, meet and greet.
0: <laughs> maybe a what, meet and greet? Uh,
1: I'm just saying like a hang.
0: Yeah, I don't know what, I, I, see it's funny cause I got to get those words like powwow out of my vocabulary. But someday, <laughs> someday I'll figure that part out. That's the easier part. You're doing the harder part. So <laughs> <laughs> thank you very much.
1: Awesome, thank you so much for having me.
0: Pleasure, bye.
1: Bye.